and then we'll get started in our lesson. Uh, if, if, if you're not a member of the church, but you're interested in, in becoming a member, then uh, we're going to be having our membership class. We call it Discovering First Baptist Geneva, and that'll be Sunday morning, probably three weeks. We may go into four, but I've tried to scale that back some. So about three weeks, we'll meet right back here in the, in the uh, conference room starting at nine o'clock. And if you're planning to come to that, please let me know so I can make sure that I have enough uh, workbooks and everything prepared. Um, there's free bread over in the fellowship hall. I, I don't know who's getting that. Is that Rusty that's bringing that? Okay, Rusty brought it. They brought it in right before we came over. So there's bread over there. So on your way out, if you want to, somebody help me remember that. Maybe we'll mention that again on the way out, but just swing by there and grab some bread and, and uh, that'll be great. You can't have this bread though. Okay, you can't have this bread. This is my bread and I can smell it through the cellophane up here. So I'm, I'm going to be... I could auction it, couldn't I? No, this is, this, this is a different one. Yeah, and this one is even prettier than the other one. It's going to be a shame to eat that, but I'm going to muscle through it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it right. So uh, there's bread over there, though, okay? So don't forget that. Um, men's prayer band, men. Uh, Monday Monday night, men's prayer band. We'll send an email out to remind you for that, but uh, make note of that and, and plan to be here for that on Monday night, guys. We need to got a lot to pray about and, and just need to keep lifting up before the church, before the Lord for our church. Okay. I told you I was going to read some things. So I like to read some funnies and different things, but this is a little more serious one. This, this says this is a true story. So I'm going to read it. It says, Brenda was almost halfway to the top of the tremendous granite cliff. She was standing on a ledge where she was taking a breather, a breather during this, her first rock climb. As she rested there, the safety rope snapped against her eye and knocked out her contact lens. Great, she thought. Here I am on a rock ledge, hundreds of feet from the bottom and hundreds of feet from the top of this cliff, and now my sight is blurry. She looked and looked, hoping that somehow it had landed on the ledge, but it just wasn't there. She felt the panic rising in her, so she began praying. She prayed for calm, and she prayed that she may find her contact lens. When she got to the top, a friend examined her eye and her clothing for the lens, uh, lenses, but it was not to be found. Although she, she was calm now that she was at the top, she was saddened because she could not clearly see across the range of mountains. She thought of the Bible verse, the eye of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth. She thought, Lord, you can see all these mountains, you know every stone and leaf, and you know exactly where my contact lens is. Please help me. Now, here's our first thought. What a silly prayer. That's our first thought, isn't it? What a silly prayer. We're going to pray about a contact lens. Later, when they had hiked down the trail to the bottom of the cliff, they met another party of climbers just starting up the face of the cliff. One of them shouted out, Hey, you guys, anybody lose a contact lens? Well, that would be uh, startling enough, but you know, how, you know why the climber saw it? An ant was moving slowly across a twig on the face of the rock carrying it. The ant was carrying this, this contact lens. The story doesn't end there. Brenda's father is a cartoonist. When she told him the incredible story of the ant, the prayer, and the contact lens, he drew a cartoon of an ant lugging that contact lens with the caption, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this thing. I can't eat it, and it's awfully heavy. 
But if this is what you want me to do, I'll carry it for you. Isn't that a neat thought? Isn't that a neat thought? And the, the writer of this one on says, I think it would do all of us some good to say, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this load. I can see no good in it, and it's awfully heavy. But if you want me to carry it, I will. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yes, he says, I do love God, but in my source of existence, uh, but he is my source of existence and my savior. He keeps me functioning each and every day. Without him, I am nothing, but with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, so, pretty cool. Amen. Great, great thought right there. I mean... I don't know if ants pray, but I love the thought of that. And the fact that God had that ant moving, and I mean, it all just came back together. But what a great, great thought to turn our thought to that, that we really, that really should be our heart in all, in all of that. Uh, we go through some hard things, and uh, it's like the, the Sunday series we're going through now. Instead of us asking why, every time something doesn't go our way, why, why not ask, Lord, what? What do you want me to learn? What is it you're, you're doing? What, what do I need to gain from this? How is this going to help someone else? Instead of, you know, why? In, in a way that's almost accusatory of, of God that he doesn't care for us. And so just a good thought there. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to pick up where we left off last week and just, uh, as I said, we'll just move through this methodically and uh, we'll see where we get and we'll see where this goes. I'm not going to be in a hurry. Um, we may go for months and we may go for a couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll just work through it. All right. So we were in Matthew 24. We're kind of looking at the overview of Matthew 24. Um, and we looked at a couple of points and we're, we're just going to continue through there. So the first one was this, as you're reading through Matthew 24, verses four and 11, tell us, do not be deceived. And so there's an admonition here for us in these last times not to be deceived. There's a whole lot of stuff going on today. Amen? There's a whole lot of voices. You know, it's talking about who do you listen to? Who are you going to allow to talk into your life? Who, who are you going to allow to be a voice in your life? We have to be very, 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 very careful uh, of that, of, of who's speaking into our life and what do we listen to and what do we, and what do we take from that? So we, we have to be careful not to be deceived. And in order to do that, we always go back to the Word of God. Amen? I mean, that's, our, that's the ultimate. It's not what pastor says because I, I, I can see something different. I, can see some, I could tell you something that's wrong. You go back to the word of God, not thus saith any man. There's a lot of men that I have the utmost respect for, but I don't, I don't care what they say about the word of God. I care about the word of God. People ask me sometimes, you know, what book should I read? What devotion should I read? How about the Bible? How about that one? That's the best book. And, and just go to it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't read other things. There's a, I give out books. There's a lot of great books. But don't read that in substitution of the Word of God. You should go to the Word of God. That should be first and foremost. So don't be deceived and then don't be discouraged. Verse 6, and, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Don't be discouraged. You know, and, and I, I've said that, you know, as we look around, it's easy as I look at things from the view of an American. 
It can be, you can be discouraged by what you see going on in our country. Um, you know, even as a conservative, even as a Christian, when you look at the, the, the momentum of the way things are going in our country and the way we're turning our backs as a collective in our nation uh, on God, it, it's, it can be very discouraging. But then I go back and I go, man, the, as I look at this as a Christian and it gets me excited when I'm looking at what's going on. What's going to happen today? And I end up doing this as I read stuff going, I can't. when I think I can't be amazed, there's something new to, to amaze me. When I can't think it can't get any stupider, they just, they, they, they go stupider. Is it the movie Dumb and Dumber? You know, just when you couldn't get, couldn't get any worse, you go and redeem yourself and does something just really, really stupid. So they redeem themselves every day. Um, and the next, well, I want to mention this because we're talking about end times. So I saw a, I got an email. I get a lot of different emails from different groups, news groups, conservative groups, Christian groups, different things. But I read one and there was, this was the talk. It was a, a judge, a federal judge ruled against exemptions from the, the mandate, from these vaccine mandates, ruled against it uh, for immunity, for natural immunity. So the case was, can natural immunity be an exemption from getting the vaccine? Well, let's talk about science for a minute. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a virologist. But I do understand the purpose of the vaccine, if I'm not mistaken, was to give us immunity. Was that not... Well, that's the stated purpose. Let me put it that way. That's the stated purpose. Right? The vaccine is to give you immunity. So you get the vaccine. That's what vaccines have always done. You get a vaccine and it, you put a little bit of whatever in there and your body fights it and it creates antibodies and now you have a natural immunity to it. Okay, So that's the whole purpose of the vaccine is so that you'll have natural immunity. Well, if you've had COVID and gotten over it, you have natural immunity. Now, I hear, I've talked to some people and they go, well, I've read that, you know, it's, you're, 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 you know, if you have the natural immunity, it's falling off in six months. I go, I don't know who you're reading because everything I read says um, at, at the least a year, but they don't even know yet because you go a year and nobody, they're not seeing a drop off. And they're seeing that the natural immunity from recovering from COVID is like 20 times greater than the immunity you get from getting the vaccine. So I'm going, first of all, why is a judge ruling on scientific stuff? Why is that? Why is that? And, and so I got to thinking about that. So this really wasn't about the vaccine. This is what this is about. We understand that in, in the end times, folks are going to have to take the mark, right? You either take the mark. I don't know what the mark is. There's a lot of speculation. We know it's going to have to do with with, uh, you know, if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to, to buy and sell. You're not going to be able to maybe have a job. A lot of that's starting to sound familiar today, isn't it? But here's what has to happen. We have to get from where we are now to where we'll be then, right? So we, we wouldn't go right from where we are or where we were two years ago to all of a sudden, if you don't do this, you're gonna, they're going to pull a, the, the, the guillotine out and chop your head off. Because that's what we see in Scripture is that kind of stuff. Heads rolling. So what has to happen is this has to become a law. Now, it's not about America, so it's not just America. But we look around. This is the stuff that's going on worldwide. This all, folks, 
Call me crazy. I'll, I keep my tin hat in the back, you know. I, 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 you know, I don't bring it out when I'm around you guys. But it sure sounds suspicious. Sounds what? It, it is truth. It, it is truth. It resonates truth with what we see in Scripture in the end times. And, but, but we have to, we gotta, we gotta get to that place to where it's legal. It's legal because they've said you have to take the mark. I mean, that's what we're fighting right now. This is a fight between, and I've said this before, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I have, I've had all the vaccines that as far as I know up, that I had to get up through school and all. I had those. I went and got hepatitis A and B when I was going to Tajikistan. I had to get that. I had to get tetanus. I had to get some other things. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm kind of though an anti-experimental drug guy. I kind of like to know what I'm taking. I, if you've gotten it, I have no problem with it. If I had comorbidities, if I had, if I had some things, I might, I might go get the vaccine. I, I might do that. So I'm not a pro-vax. I'm not an anti-vax. I'm not either way. But I am deathly against our government when our government gets involved. And if Donald Trump were doing this, I'd have a problem with that too. Telling everybody that you have to get this when it makes no sense at all. Facebook, cut me off. I don't care. Probably will. There'll be a little disclaimer down there saying, you know, I should use a code word for COVID and, and vaccine and stuff and so it doesn't get flagged. But, but it's, it's that kind of stuff. So what, we, what we're seeing is when we're talking about these end times, that's what you got to look at, folks. Look at what's going on around us. And, and you, 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 filter, you filter what we see in life through the Word of God. That's the biblical worldview, right? When you have a biblical worldview, you're seeing the world through the lens of the Scriptures. Not what you think, not what you want to think. It's through the lens of Scripture. Not even what somebody... I don't care what John Hagee's got to say. Okay? He's been calling for, for I mean, this, he's been calling for the end for the last 20 years. That man's made a whole bunch of money on being wrong. He's like a weatherman. Okay? Trying to tell us when the Lord's going to come back, when the Lord has said, no one knows, not even me. Only the Father knows when I'm going to come back. So, but, but what we do is what we're doing here is we watch the signs. We're looking at the signs. So everything that's going on around you, you should be paying attention to that. Now, I don't think you need to get in there and just be a news hog 10 hours a day. That'll rot your brain and it'll give you a rotten attitude. But keep up with kind of what's going on and look at what's going on. And we see so much. I'm ahead of myself because probably next week we'll get into some of that. We're going to go through the details in Luke 21. But let's, let's pick up where we left off. So do not be defeated. Verse 13 says... But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, this has to do with faithfulness under testing until the Lord's return. So, um, do not let the lawlessness around you rob you of your passion for God. Now, you go, well, that, that seems like a, that's pretty simple. I mean, that shouldn't happen. But you, you think about it. Verse 12 says, and because lawlessness will abound, this is what's coming. Lawlessness will abound. That sounds a lot like today. And it can get a whole lot. People go, oh, I don't know how it could get any worse. Are you kidding me? It can get a whole lot worse. This is, this is minor. The stuff going on, the burning of cities that we've seen in the last year is minor to what's going to go on. 
Okay, so, so understand, it can get a whole lot worse and, and will. But the verse, verse 12 says, and because lawless, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So how does that happen? Why would that be? Well, think about it. You get discouraged. You see what's going on and you, you think, you know, how can we fight this? How can we make any difference? And people get discouraged and they disconnect from it. And, and it drains us. It can drain you emotionally. And if you don't stay in the Word of God and you don't continue to pray, it'll drain you spiritually. And people will grow cold. You'll fall away from the Lord. I'm, I'm going to give you all my opinion on, um, on what we see in America today with abortion. You know, we ought to be... We ought to be marching around abortion clinics. We ought to be petitioning. We ought to be marching around the Capitol. And, and I, 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 don't, I have a hard time believing that the majority of Americans are really pro-abortion. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. But I have a hard time believing that. But we, we've come to a place where we don't really fight hard in that area. Why? I think it's because a lot of people feel like I can't do anything about it. So what happens when you feel like you can't do anything about it? If it's something you emotionally are charged with, you can't live life always charged up with no release, no way. I don't feel like, so this is my opinion, but I've thought this for a long time. I think Christians as, as a whole disconnect from that emotionally because I can't make a difference. I, I just can't make a difference. So, man, while I, I, I would love to, I want to defend life, preborn life, I believe in that. We disconnect because we don't feel like we can make a difference. And that's where we shouldn't go. And, and I think that's a little taste of this, the love of many growing cold. Because we're not, we're not I don't think, as passionate about that. We're not as passionate about a lot of things as, as we should be as believers. Some of it's just apathy on our own part, but some of it is we feel like we can't make a difference. We have to caution against that, that we don't lose our passion for the things of God and the things that the Lord has told us to do. Look, the lost world around us needs to hear the gospel. Amen? So we, we got to stay busy. Folks, I, I, I say this all the time. I, I hope, I don't know, I ought to do a survey and send it out and see. Uh, it, but I would hope that if somebody came in and says, what did, did your pastor talk about the gospel? I would hope that'd be in the list of the top one things that y'all hear me discuss and talk about is the gospel. That the need for salvation, the need for us to share the gospel. I don't want it to be top five or top three. That should be the top one thing is that we're concerned with the lost people around us. And, and we need to have a burden for that and a passion for that. Verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. We, you say you, wanna, you, wanna get, you want the Lord to return? Then get busy sharing the gospel. Because we don't know when that last person that hears the gospel that needs to hear it, when that last person's going to be. And it may be us. Maybe we need to get out. It ain't about, you know, what that heretic we talked about a couple weeks ago saying, send more money in and the Lord will come back sooner. Uh, no, your bank account will get fatter sooner. That's all that's about. Lies out of the pit of hell. I would not want to, I don't want to stand, in, I don't even want to stand in my own shoes sometimes, I think, when, when standing before the Lord, even as a believer, and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to stand before him and, and give an account of what I've done as a believer. Uh, wow, 
You talk about tears. Why is the Lord going to have to wipe away tears? He might just roll back the scroll and let us see what we could have done if we'd have just applied ourselves. We might be able to see what, what, what impact we could have had for his glory if we'd have been a little more faithful. And uh, maybe that's the case. And there may be, there may be tears shed right there. Um, you know, he's going to reward us, but I, I think there's going to be an answering as, as well. Um, but there is something that Scripture seems to indicate is a pre-runner to the Lord's return, and that is the gospel being preached in all the world. And so we, we ought to be about that. We ought to be about missions. Here, missions, and you're going to hear a lot about that. I'm just giving you a forerunner now. You know, this year's been revival. We, we, it's been a year of coming, coming back to the Lord, coming back to Him, getting your hearts right. It fits in with our mission, loving God, loving people, serving the world. It's about loving God, coming back to Him, revival, your personal walk with God. This coming year, we're going to talk a lot about mission, about mission. And it's important that we, we all have a mission. And we're, we all live on mission. And we, we're, we're sharing the mission, the, the commission that the Lord's given us. Um, we, we need to be about that. Next on the list there is, do not be doubtful. Verse 34 and 35 says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away to all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, religious leaders, they're going to come and go. They're going to rise and fall. But the Word of God will not change. Amen? Amen. That, that ought to fire you up. This is true. This is always going to be true. For all of eternity, this is truth. This is the Word of God. And it will not fail. So we need to believe the Word of God. We need to obey the Word of God. We need to hold to the Word of God, no matter what others may say or do. We need to be diligent to... to Staying in the Word of God and then living our lives according to the Word of God. That, that's how we need to live our lives. Um, your Bible is God's light in this uh, dark world. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And so we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the darkness until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God inspired the writing of the Word of God, used man's hand, man's personality to pen it, but it was the Holy Spirit of God. This is the, the recorded Word and will of God, and it, and it will stand. So don't grow doubtful. Don't, don't feel like... You know, generation after generation after generation after generation after generation thought it, the Lord's coming back now. The Lord's coming back now. And, you know, there's scoffers that have said, oh, well, when's the Lord coming back? Y'all been saying that, and they're going to continue to say that. He's coming back, folks. I, be I believe, not that he might come back in my life. I think he will come back in my lifetime. I believe that he will. And I can be absolutely wrong. I can be sincerely I sincerely believe that. And I can be sincerely wrong. But we have, as we, as we go deeper into this, we're going to see things that there's no way during World War II these things could have been. And, you know, you, you can imagine in World War II when the whole world's aflame, people going, the Lord has to be coming back. No, because there was a lot of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. There was a lot of things the Lord was going to do, things that were going to happen in those end times that were not possible in that day, that today are. So we'll look at those. 
do not be distracted. Verse 42 says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch. So what, is it, what does it mean to watch? What does this mean here to watch? Watch therefore. Well, we watch, we watch when we stay alert and remind ourselves that our Lord may come at any moment. That, that's how we watch. It's not a, this is not a passive word. This is a very active word. So, so I'll exp- it, it's not even like watching a football game. And you may watch a game. I went, I went the other night, so the, the Oviedo team, a game got rained out, so Brent talked me into, he twisted my arm, he guilted me into going up and watching this game. And I loved it. I, I enjoyed it, but I was so tired. Monday, I was just, I was wiped out. And uh, so I go and I'm like, all right, I'll hang out till halftime and uh, I'll leave. Well, the game was close. So I said, well, I'll wait till I'll get into the third quarter and they'll, they'll get behind and I'll, I'll leave. Well, they were, they were down tw- uh, 21 to, to 8. It was 21 to 8. Third quarter, about middle way through. And Oviedo, uh, or Deland's driving. I said, well, I hate it, but they're going to score. The game will be over. I'm going to leave. Well, they fumble. I can't leave now. I'll, I'll wait and see what happens. So they drove the field, and they drove down, and they scored. Now it's 21-15. I went, man, I can't leave. So we go into the fourth quarter, and they stop them after. I said, well, if Deland drives and scores, I'll leave. Well, they get the ball right back, and Oviedo drives the field again, eat up the clock, and they score. And they kick. He had to kick the extra point four times. That kid was solid. He kicks the field goal, kicks the extra point, so they're up 22-21. I'm like, man, I can't leave. So there's five minutes to go, and the land came down, ate up the clock, scored right at the end, and won the game. And uh, I sat and I watched the game, but that's a different kind of watch than this watch. This watch is like... Thanksgiving's coming up. You got family. This is, I'll tell you what this is. This is Jeannie Best at the airport watching for her daughter to come off that, that plane. That's, that's what it is. It's not sitting watching a ball game. This is, it's, a, it's anticipation. Yes. Is that, is that, oh man, that's not them. Sure, it's, it's active. It's engaged. It's watching. I know they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. When are they going to get here? They ought to be off by now. That's what this is. That's how we're to watch. Because he's coming. And we don't know when they're going to get here. You know, we get excited like that when Jordan's coming home and she's driving. And I, anybody got Life 360? I love Life 360. I can track them. I can spy on them. It's bad, though, because it works both ways because Gina can tell me where I had lunch. I don't even have to tell her. She said, uh-huh, I know where you ate lunch today, uh-huh. She, she spies on me. She loves that. She loves to spy on me and know what's going on. Um, but I love Life 360 because I'll be watching. Where's Jordan? Oh, man, she's north of Gainesville. Man, look again. Oh, she's coming through the 40 on the, the National Forest there. Oh, she's now into land. She's coming. And then we know, all right, she's coming. She's coming close. And now Gina's phone dings. And the dog goes crazy because he knows when it dings, somebody's coming. So the dog gets excited. And he's like, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. That's how we need to be. That's how we need to be because the Lord is coming, folks. And we need to be watching for him. And look, if you've got that excitement, if you're looking for his return all the time, what are you not doing? You're not getting casual. What's that? You ain't worrying. There's a whole lot of things that go away when we do that. There's a whole lot of the junk. 
You know, I, I told the story about how, how do you keep from fighting in church? Look, if everybody gets busy doing the work of the Lord, there ain't no fighting in church because you're all doing the same thing. You're all on, the, on mission. And we don't have a lot of fighting in the church, or at least I don't know about it. Y'all keep it quiet if there is. I guess all y'all talk about me behind my back so I don't hear it. I'm kidding. I think we've got great unity in our church, and that's a wonderful thing. And I've been in churches where that wasn't the case. But here's what happens. You take coon dogs, right? Coon dogs. They go hunt raccoons. They're trained, these old bloodhounds. And you put them in a box in the back of the truck to take them out and go coon hunting. And they will fight the whole way because they ain't on mission. But you take them out of that box and you put them off on a coon and they are in unison. Oh, oh, oh. And they, when they tree that coon, they up on the tree. And, they, and man, they're, they're, in, they're not fighting anymore. But they're doing, they're doing what God called them to do. And when we're busy watching for Him, our eyes are on Him. All the other stuff, man, the worry about... We get so caught up in the 401k. I'm like, I need to put more in one. And I'm talking to Raymond today and I'm going, but why? The Lord's coming back, man. That 401k ain't going to be there and Biden's going to take every bit of it before it's over. I'm not going to get any of that. I'm not going to have enough money to eat rice and drink water. But I ought to plan. Scripture tells me to plan, so I need to put something aside. But why? It's not going to be. But you know what? The worry about that, the worry about what's going to happen later goes away. The worry about what's going to happen if... Man, here's Jeannie. Jeannie and Dennis are going, the Lord's coming back. They're watching. He may not come back. He may take Dennis home. But you know what? One day the Lord's coming back. Their eyes are on him. And all the little worries and the insignificant things of life, the things that we make really, really important that really aren't. I'm so glad that your family reconciled because if... I don't, I'm not asking... But it probably was something that really wasn't as big a deal as it became. More than times than not, families are broken up. Relationships are broken up over stuff that ain't near as big as we make it out to be. Because our eyes are off of God. So we got to watch, 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 watch. So don't be distracted. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, when your heart, when you delay in your heart his coming, when you, when you take this attitude of, well, I don't know. You know, the Lord was, the, the, they've been saying he was going to come back. I don't know. Maybe he's coming back. But hey, surely he's not going to come back this week. You know, you start to lose your effectiveness. You start to lose your witness. You start to lose your focus. You, you, you lose your, your passion. You lose, you lose a lot of that. Verse 48 says, but if that servant, that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, there's a lot of bad things that happen when we get our, our eyes off of the Lord and quit watching with anticipation. That's when we get in trouble, folks. Uh, you know what? It, 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 think about kids. You leave kids at home, teenagers at home. If they, if they know what time mom and dad's coming back, that's a whole different deal if you say, we won't be gone long, we'll be back. You get it? Because they're going, oh man, I don't know what time. We, we could do this. No, we can't do that. Mom and dad might show up. What, if, what happens if they show up and we're, in, we're doing this? That's what we do. 
That's what we could do. We have the potential of getting our eyes off the Lord and just thinking, you know what? Ah, it's not a big deal if I get over here into this. If I get my hand in the cookie jar, we don't know when the Lord's coming back. Keep your eyes on Him. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. All right. Amen? All right, verse 25, real quick, we'll run through this. We might get started. We might get started on the next part. Maybe not. Uh, Matthew 25, just kind of an overview of that chapter. Number one, there's three parts to this. Number one, there's three breakdowns. The first is, is when Jesus Christ returns, it will be a time of separation. It's going to be a time of separation. Verses 1 through 13 is the parable there of the ten virgins. And uh, what you're going to see is there's the, the wise will be separated from the foolish. You've got the faithful servants separated from the unfaithful servants. You've got the blessed, the sheep, being separated from the curse or the goats. And the wise virgins had oil and they were prepared to meet the bridegroom. They were prepared. They were watching. They were, they were prepared. And here's what we got today, folks. You've got many people who profess. Listen to the words here. There are many people who profess to be Christians but do not have the Holy Spirit of God. And they're not born again. There are a lot of people who have um, made an emotional decision. You can be moved by emotion all day long and die and go to hell. Salvation is not of emotion. Now, it may be an emotional time, but emotion is not what saves us. Oh, I just, I, I felt something and I, I just know that was, God saved me. Did you acknowledge your sin? Were you broken over your sin? Were you repentant? Did you have a change of your mind that I'm going to not pursue this my way and try to do it my way? I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to come to him his way. We talked about Cain and Abel. It's the way of Cain. I'll come to God my way. Have you had that change of mind? Have you repented of your sin, confessed yourself a sinner, and called on the name of the Lord. There's a lot of people who think they're born again. Or, 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 or maybe know they're not saved. But profess to be saved. That are playing church. Church for some folks is. It's a, it's a, it's a social. I'm going to steal one of their words. It's a social construct. You know I just. I go to church because that's what. You know it's what we do. It's culturally it's what we do. We go to church. Well Sometimes. Sometimes we go to church. When we go to church, we go to church, you know, sometimes. Um, but there are a lot of people, listen, that, that right now think they're okay. But they, they either are being deceived or they have deceived themselves into thinking that they're safe. Folks, there, there's nothing more serious in your life than being sure of your salvation. Nothing more important than being sure of your salvation. Don't rest on an emotional experience. My, my daughter, Jordan, when she was six years old at a VBS, she came forward to pray. And they counseled with her and they felt confident in her decision. And, uh, and so she was baptized. They went through that. And we, 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 she was baptized. Two years later... I'm actually in Indiana. I'm candidating for the associate pastor position at the church up there. We went to church that day. I, I taught the big auditorium Sunday school class. We hung out with people all day, answered questions, all that. was there that night. We go home. We go back to a friend's house up there, and, and Jordan starts asking questions. And they were great questions. 
And we sat on her bed, the bed in there, for over an hour and just talked and just answering her questions. And what we realized was that she had gotten caught up at VBS in an emotional experience. And she went down to the altar because some other kids went down to the altar. And now she had been in church all her life, all six years. So she knew a lot of the things here, but she was never truly born again. And so as we're talking about it, we realized she came to the realization that, Dad, I'm not, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. No, I'm, I'm going to go to hell. I need to get this right with God. And so we prayed right there. She prayed and, and confessed her sin to the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive her for sin. And, she, I mean, she's just never been the same. You know, she got out of drugs. She got out of prostitution. <laughs> she got out of all of that. No, you know, it's... Isn't it, isn't it funny, though? We think you got to have that testimony or you really don't have a great testimony. No, she was eight years old. She never used drugs. She'd never, I don't know if she'd ever used profanity. She probably thought it, but she may not have ever. But, but she'll tell you, at eight years old, when she came to know Christ, it changed, it changed her life as an eight-year-old. So I, I get a little irritated with people who glory in their sin about what a marvelous sinner I was. You should glory in Christ. Glory in Christ that he saved you from sin, but don't glory in your sin and, and all that. So be careful. Know that you're born again. Romans 8 9 says, but you, are not, uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So if the Spirit of God does not indwell you, and uh, I'll tell you, if you can sin with no conviction, better check yourself. If, if, there, if, if you say, if you say, I'm born again, and, and the point that you would point to right here, this, this date on the timeline right here is when I got saved, and it did not change your life, it probably didn't change, I didn't probably, if it didn't change your life, it didn't change your eternity. If salvation didn't change your life, I'll, I'll hang on that. It didn't change your eternity. You cannot meet the living God face to face and not be changed. You cannot be born again and not be changed. And I don't know why I'm hitting this hard tonight. I just, I want y'all to know salvation is the most important thing. And so when you, when you have that settled for yourself, if you know you're going to heaven, how can you not be about sharing it with other people? Now, Georgia keeps winning. I'm going to talk some junk about Georgia football. And if I can talk junk about Georgia football, why can't I share my faith? Amen? Randy, what did we do yesterday at lunch? Yeah, we fellowship, we talked about God, and then we, we asked their waitress, we asked her if we could pray for her. Very, very simple, very simple, wasn't it? It was just a simple thing, but it makes a great, great impact. And I could, we could tell, it kind of, she was kind of, when I asked her, I said, we're, we're, we're Christians and we're about to pray for our food. Is there something we can pray with you about? And she kind of, she kind of took a step back, like, I, I, it's not the question she gets every day. And I don't, I'm not saying that, well, it's not about me, but because I don't always think to do that. But it's something very simple. It's an easy way. You know what? I, I can do whatever I want to do in the checkout line at Walmart. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tied up. I don't go to Walmart unless I have to. So I don't know why I use that example. I hate going to Walmart, but I'm not an employee there. So I don't have to adhere to their strict policies or whatever. I can talk about my faith. And you know what I love to do? I love, I, I, I like to look for the grumpiest looking clerk there. Jesse, Jesse, I was telling is Jesse back there? Jesse, come down here and tell. He's like, what? I'm kidding. We went into, uh, one Sunday after church, we went into Popeye's. And uh, Jesse will t- uh, testify to this. Shake your head if this is true. He's already shaking his head. So we go in there, and the girl in the back, she, the person in front of us is just being absolutely, ah, you're just a jerk. You know, it's a Karen. Karen is on the loose. And the poor girl back there, she is, you can just tell, she's kind of, so when we come up, I'm thinking, I'm going to just pour it all over her. And I did. I'm like, how are you doing today? You know, I'm just, I'm just, and she's like, what? And so I, by the time we're done, Jesse, she was smiling. She was interacting. And you know what? It gives you an opportunity then. She's going to be like, why? Why are you, why are you like that? That's a great point to go. Hey, Jesus loves you. Just something that simple, folks. But we got to share our faith. So important. So if you're born again, share your faith. Find a way to do it. Get excited about what Jesus has done for you. If you ain't excited about it, I don't know what you got. Amen. I got COVID. I got Jesus. Your face ought to look different when you're talking about COVID and Jesus, okay? So get excited about it. Get excited about your faith and share it with others. Um, Number two. His coming also means uh, evaluation. So verses 14 through 30 there talk about this, the parable of the talents. And you know the story there where, where the, the man's leaving the king or whatever. He's leaving and he leaves five talents. One guy has five talents. One guy has, uh, is it two? Two or three talents. You get caught up in the details here. Two or three talents and the other is one. And so when, the, when he comes back and he's, he's reckoning, he's accounting, he's adding, he's, oh, all right, come here and report. What'd you do? Well, I took the five talents and I used them and I made you five more. Well, what, oh, man, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Next one, uh, what'd you do? Well, I took, the, I took the two that you gave me and I used them and, and uh, I, I, here's two more. Here's two more. Man, good and faithful servant. The one, what'd the one do? Buried it. Well, Lord, I just knew you're a hard master. You are hard and you're difficult. You're, you're just a, you're difficult. So I buried it so that I'd have it to get. I was fearful that I'd lose it. I was fearful and you'd reckon on me and it'd be bad. To, he had no faith. He had no, he didn't do anything with it. He buried it. He said, well, at least you could have done is put it in the bank so it earns a little interest. You didn't do anything with it. And he took it from him and gave it to the others. Here, here's the point of it, folks. You're going to give an account for what you do with your life. We're going to give an account for what we do with our lives. Now, I, I hear a lot of Christians get caught up in the rewards. Oh, what rewards? I don't care. I, I, I'm going, if I'm in heaven, if I'm in his presence, that's all. I, but I do want a big old crown. Now, I'm going to tell you why I want a big old crown. And I don't want to put it on my head. But we're going to cast those crowns at his feet. And I want to have that crown to cast at his feet. Imagine there, you're coming before the Lord. 
And would you like to have a Burger King crown? That's all you got. You got a paper folded up, latch it together crown to throw at his feet or something that's just incredible with all the jewels and, uh, you know, I don't know, the value system is different. We got, we put such, they paved the roads with gold up there. We think gold's such a special thing and, and they paved the roads with it. I want that big crown because I want to, I want to give that back to him. But you gotta, you got to be faithful. And the whole premise there, the whole purpose of what he's saying there is be faithful. You say it, tell anybody. Man, I'm preaching half my Sunday sermon tonight. Um, y'all come back, though. It's different. He says, he says um, the key to this is faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, or 4, 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that we are required to be successful. We're required to be faithful. And I think of all the pastors who pastor churches of 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 people and pastor for years and years and years. And I've read some things by, I won't name any guys, but there's some pastors who very arrogantly have made comment that indicate they, they think they figured it out. And, and it basically, if, if, you, if you start belittling the little pastors, well, they should just fold up church and roll into one of our big churches. Because, you know, we figured it out. We know how to make church work. Well, if you do, then that's all you've done is you've made something work. You've grown a crowd. I don't know how much life impact you've had. Because anything that happens, I'll just tell you all this, any growth we have here is because God did it. It ain't because of me. It ain't because of Pastor Aaron and our, and our praise team, which I, I think that's a great dynamic for our church. I think it has been, it has been a blessing for our church in, in, our, in our music in the last year and a half. But we're not, that's not why, why we grow. It's because God is faithful, and it's God that's going to grow our church. And it's just about us being faithful. And if we never get any bigger than this right here. Now, God forbid, I hope I don't do stuff that hinders our growth. But if we grow, it's not because of me or him or our elders or our deacons. It's because of the work the Lord does. And we're just called to be faithful. I'm called to be faithful as a pastor. Each one of you as a believer are called to be faithful. Faithful to him, faithful to his work, faithful to his will. Amen? I got three minutes. Three minutes. All right, let's, let's uh, number three. Number three, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. That'll be a good landing place for next week. So number three, when Christ returns, it will be a time of uh, commendation. So verses 31 through 46, 46 is the judgment of the Gentiles. And uh, you know what? We're going to be surprised to learn about ministries that we performed that we thought were insignificant that he's, he'll reward. There are going to be things that we've done that we're going to find out about, and we're like... All right, you go, what does that mean? All right, so in, in Matthew 25, verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, or let's go back to, no, 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 go back to 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him. Now, because they're going, when? Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did you see, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know what? There's going to be a time. I mean, there's nothing that's done for the Lord that, that is unseen. And there's things that you do that, are, that you're not even going to be aware of. There are going to be things that you've done, the little things of, of praying for somebody at a lunch or witnessing to someone in Walmart or having a conversation in, in, in the aisle at the shopping place or you're at Home Depot looking at wood and you get to talking. I mean, who, who knows? Or you take a meal to someone. You just, God doesn't, nothing gets by him. He sees it all. And so, so are, are we faithful to doing what God wants us to do? And there's going to come that time where we'll stand there and, and we're going to go, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. The Lord knows. Okay. Right on at 745. Even though we're not out of here yet, I'm done at 745. Okay. All right. Any questions, comments, anything before we dismiss? Ladies movie night, Friday night at 6.45 in the fellowship hall. Popcorn and refreshments and all that and, and watching The Chosen, season two. Season two of The Chosen. So ladies, come join them if you'd like. It'll be a great time fellowship. Guys, babysit the kids. You, your dad, you ought to do that anyway, right? Give mom a, a day out. All right. Free bread next door, swing by, pick something up, take it. I mean, if you got people at work, you could take it too. If you've got a neighbor, you could take it too. I mean, there, there, here's a ministry opportunity. Get some bread, take it to a neighbor and say, you know what? We had this at church. I thought of you. The Lord just wanted to bless you tonight. Simple. Amen. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the blessing of your word, the encouragement that we get from it constantly. Thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking in our life and challenging us and, and encouraging us. And Lord, just uh, the, the work that you never stop doing. Lord, I pray you never, you never stop working in our lives. You never give up on us. God, just do a great, great work. Continue to form us and, and shape us and to make us into what you want us to be. Help us, Lord, just to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbors, ourselves. Father, I pray you'll give us opportunity to be a witness Sometime this week before Sunday. And uh, maybe someone will come up Sunday and tell me, Pastor, I had a chance to witness to somebody. I just shared with them this. Maybe there will be some testimonies of what you've given us opportunity to do this week. Lord, we love you again and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great rest of the week.